in a really stupid mood today. I don't know why. And I've got a glass of wine because it's the end of the week and I need it. Cheers. Cheers. (laughs) Okay, so I do have to tell you, you know, a while ago we were talking about horror films and how we're both rubbish at horror films. Mm -hmm. I, I watched another one last week called Hereditary. Oh, I've seen that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, you've seen it? Yeah. So what did you think of it? I can't remember it. <laughs> okay, you can't remember it. Well, I'd say what, I've seen it. Here's, here's, if I was to say like a headless, oh, no, I can, yeah, a headless, I a headless bird. Yes, I remember now. Right. A strange, strange young girl in it, if I recall. Very strange who, yeah. I mean, that, that thing that happens to that girl is <laughs> absolutely horrific. Yeah. It's quite a disturbing film, I have to say. I've watched, I don't know why, I've watched two sort of beat-em-up films, Creed 2 and Warrior. I like it. Now, Warrior's on my list. I haven't seen it. And the only, reason I, the only reason I haven't seen Creed 2 is because I haven't seen Creed. And I know that I heard really good things about Creed. So Yeah. yeah. So I watched Creed before and then I spotted Creed 2. I think it was on Netflix. And yeah, it's a continuation of the Rocky Balboa series, yeah. really. But he's the he's the coach. I quite liked it. I thought it was good. And uh, Warrior is slightly different form of fighting. It's not. Is, I don't know what. I don't know what kind of fighting it is. It's like um, cage fighting almost. There's a name for it, and I can't. Yeah. It's not. It's not coming to mind. It's huge, isn't it, in the states? Yeah, that was good, and it's got Tom Hardy in it as well. I, I really enjoyed it. I don't know why I was obviously in a fighting mood this week, <laughs> but two. I managed to get cramming two and these two films as well. Well, I yeah, I only got the one in. Oh, and also, you know, we asked people to see if they could get how many yeah. degrees of separation they could get between Greatest Showman and Butch Cassidy. Yeah. I, I could do two. Go on then, tell us what, can you remember what they were? Yeah, so Michelle Williams in Greatest Showman. Yeah was in Manchester by the Sea. She co-starred in that film with Casey Affleck, and Casey Affleck starred yeah. with Robert Redford in The Old Man and the Gun. Right, so you got there faster than me. I've got three steps. So I've got Robert Redford mm-hmm. with Brad Pitt in the in library. The, in the library with the, <laughs> with, with, with the with candlestick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, Robert, Robert Redford with Brad Pitt in Spy Game. Then Brad Pitt with Leo DiCaprio in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And then Leo with Michelle Williams in Shutter Island. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think I beat you by one. Well, I think my husband actually may have the same number as you. So he's got Zander is in This Greatest Showman and appears in Spider-Man Far From Home where she's called MJ, with Samuel L. Jackson, Nick Fury, who is in Marvel Universe, including Captain America Winter Soldier. And that's where Robert Redford appears as Alexandra Pierce. Yep. I don't think we can get the one step, can we? I think no, it's... I think it's tricky. When you, when you Exactly, when you get films from that far back. But yeah, no, that was tricky. That was tricky. This week might be easier. I think this week, I haven't thought about it, but I would, yeah, I mean, this week must be easier. This week being Toy Story... And Anchorman, The Legend of Ron Burgundy. So what are we going to start with? Anchorman. Okay, I am very interested to get your opinion on this. (laughs) I know you are. You would (laughs) Rob and I, we exchange a little emoji symbol after we've watched a film. And you were scouting for my what? What was my emoji symbol? <laughs> I got yeah, you, like a, ge- a you, geeky character. <laughs> you gave me nothing. You gave me nothing. I don't I, think. Unless I, I gave th- you a geek. I a geek. know, 
but I didn't get the geek. You'd have to tell me about that uh, afterwards then. Okay, so, okay. well, I, 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 the reason I was interested to watch it was actually to see if it dated at all. But anyway, there's loads of people I've, in this that I completely forgot about. So, 2004, directed by Adam Mackay, written by Will Ferrell and Adam Mackay, and produced by our man Judd Apatow, um, who is pretty much attached to most films with this kind of cast list in... We have Will Ferrell starring alongside Christina Applegate. Um, we have Paul Rudd, Steve Carell, Dave Koshner, Fred Willard. But then we've got a whole host of other names who were coming off that Saturday Night Live scene. And you all know so many of them. There's Vince Vaughn, Ben Stiller makes an appearance, as does Luke Wilson. Seth Rogen has a small part. Jack Black has a cameo. Even Tim Robbins is in it. And... And Judd Apatow himself seems to worm his way into most films that he is a part of. So this is set in San Diego in the 1970s. Ron Burgundy, played by Will Ferrell, is a long-standing anchorman at a local news station. And he is loved by the whole city. He's a local celebrity. His new show is number one on the ratings and he appears untouchable but he's got one problem and that is that his news team is entirely male and it's become the ultimate boys club so we have field reporter and ladies man brian fontana played by paul rudd we have sports reporter champ played by david kochner and brick the weatherman played by steve carell so they're all sexist pranksters who love to hang out and party and and basically they think they run the show but the reality is they're just totally out of step with a working society that is changing and i think that's the whole point of this film is it's a transitional phase where the workplace is becoming more diverse and as such the station hires this new female reporter called veronica corningstone who's played by christina applegate and whilst the rest of the team are appalled by the appointment, Ron is torn between a similar misogyny, really, that he normally holds for uh, for women and this real kind of sudden attraction towards her that he feels. So all the team try their chat-up lines on Veronica, which she shoots down <laughs> very effectively, completely shocked at just how chauvinistic they all are. But Ron is so smitten... He kind of backs away and takes a slightly more gentle approach. And after a night out to show her the city, uh, which she is very, very clear to say is not a date, he works his magic and she falls for him and they end up in this intimate relationship. Veronica initially gets just some small reporting gigs at the news station, but she longs to host the show and achieve her ultimate dream, which is the same as Ron's, which is to become a network anchor. All is well until an event splits them apart, leaving Veronica to step in to Ron's shoes for one of the shows, which in turn starts uh, a huge bitter feud, which affects all of them, their relationship, uh, their friendships, etc., etc. So yeah, I thought what was going to be most intriguing about this was... As I say, if the film were dated, and by that I don't mean dated as in looked out of date, or even the story was out of date. It was more about the language used, because although the whole point of this is that we're kind of on Veronica's side here, seeing all mm. these misogynistic guys basically making idiots of themselves, 
I was wondering whether there was going to be any language or lines in this that perhaps to these days you may not get away with. And there were a few, actually, I think, that did oh, jump out. I didn't, I didn't well, I it. thought there were two or three, but they didn't really stand out. You know, I think it was reference to, I think, you know, I think the phrase mentally retarded was used. and uh, right. someone it, wasn't said, ch- it wasn't the chat-up lines then? No, was. and I think someone, someone like the use the word gay. I mean, they weren't like overtly bad, but yeah. I think in today's, even in a comedy of this type today, it may not get away with it. But anyway, so yeah, you didn't really give much away. So what did you think? Um, if you're up for a laugh <laughs> and you don't mind some nonsense, or if you had a few to drink, Anchorman is for you, <laughs> I feel. I was open, to be honest, I, was, I had not seen this film. I was up for some nonsense anyway. And this certainly ticks the box for that. And I know if you're watching a Will Ferrell or a Steve Carell film, you know it could have some elements of silliness. So I knew what I was in for when I when I watched it as well. I don't think it was dated at all. I mean, obviously it was set in the 1970s and I think all the the attire that they were wearing, hairstyles and everything were very apt. That was, that was fine. But I didn't realise it was going to be about inequality in, in the 1970s, which they really touched on. And I, that really surprised me that it was going to be about that. And, you know, good on Christina Applegate for taking this role because it probably wasn't very easy. I can imagine they did a lot of ab-libbing, I know that, in these scenes. And they kind of chose the best ones um, because I understand there's heaps of content that they didn't push out for this film that they then were able to reuse and use for the the next film I believe or some shorts so yeah but good on Christina Applegate for doing this film because I can imagine she was probably brunt of jokes off set as well and in the film I think she she was very professional held her own she was really well with just knocking these guys down and just proving to the men in Channel 4 News that, you know, women are equally as good at being anchor people as well. So good honour for for taking this role. I don't know whether that role was offered to anyone else. I couldn't see that in IMDb. But she's, I mean, Chrissy Napgate's done a lot of comedy roles anyway. So it wasn't just about inequality. It was also about broadcasting companies that were highly competitive and yeah, their lunch times, they're in their little groups, they would go off and walk to get a sandwich or something and they'd bump into each other. And Vince Vaughn was also, he was part of this evening news team and they did not get on Will Ferrell's team and, and Vince Vaughn's and they would just have these silly little petty fights. But then there was one scene later on in the movie where suddenly you see Tim Robbins, Ben Stiller, Luke Wilson characters and their broadcasting teams appear in this epic fight that was full of all sorts of different weapons no guns i don't think but there was nunchucks there was and a trident <laughs> the trident was brilliant so like you say this yeah. like all these rival news teams it was the most random yeah. thing in the world it was a very bizarre moment but it was good to see that I don't know whether they were all buddies at that time. They just sort of said, yeah, come along and join in with this movie. Um, They're all comedy acts, all male as well. And uh, they just just look like they're having a a laugh. Uh, What what I did find funny is that they all come together at the end for the main news, which is the birth of the baby panda (laughs) at the the local zoo, the San Diego Zoo. And they kind of support one another in that. So I hope you're not giving too much away there. Veronica and Ron's relationship was, was slightly unusual. He did try and hit her on her before he even knew that she was going to be the co-anchor. And some of the chat at lines were just terrible, absolutely terrible. And I don't, I'm hoping nobody ever 
says any of these chat up lines whenever they meet a lady. I do. I do. I really oh do my goodness. No, they're, just, no. they're, just, they're just too funny. They're too funny not to be oh. you. <laughs> oh my God. There's one that I want to be on you. Very blunt and blunt. <laughs> I was thinking of. I want to be on you. I mean, oh my goodness. And eventually got his way, didn't he? So that was the weird thing about it. It's just like, how can anyone fall for Ron Burgundy? But then she does. She does. I know. Very, very. She has this professional side, but then she has this strange side where she's falling for Ron and announcing it to everyone as well as he is. And it's it's just very odd. The dog. I love the dog <laughs> element to it. Baxter. Baxter the dog. Oh, yeah, those, yeah. Are those conversations he has with the dog are classic, aren't they? Yeah, and where it goes, I don't speak Spanish, speak English, please. <laughs> I was like, what? This is a dog you're talking to. So, yeah, uh, some complete farcical, completely over-the-top acting. I have to say I did like Steve Carell's character where he was at one point when they were having their lunchtime walk and they bumped into Spence Vaughan's team where at one point they were just throwing some jibes at each other some comments to each other and then Steve Carell would be on the other side all of a sudden in the take they were saying come over to our side what are you doing over there and it was just the way they certain shots they took it was just made it even funnier I have to say the most favorite scene out of the whole thing is when on Veronica and Ron's date and they go to this bar and there's a bit of jazz music going on and the yeah, the bar manager or whatever comes up to Ron and says, do you want to play your flute or whatever? And he just happens to have it in his pocket. It's jazz flute. <laughs> jazz flute, yeah. And he's brilliant at it. He just It's just almost like a music video, how it was produced. And he would pop up in different places with his flute and he was just real whiz at playing the flute and it was just hilarious. That did make me laugh out loud, I have to say. Some sad news, uh, those that are... Fred Willard fans, um, he played in this film, the Channel 4 News Chief. Unfortunately, he passed away in May this year. He was 86. I don't know whether it's COVID related or elderly age. I'm not sure the reasons why, but it was sad to hear that, actually, because I've, I've seen many comedy films and TV roles where he's appeared, just play, appeared like a teacher or a manager or a lead. He's always in sort of leadership roles, I, I find. And he's also done a lot of voiceovers as well. And yeah, I was, when I was looking up details about that, I was sad to see that he passed away but yeah um go on have you got any have you got any further comments about it not really I, I think it's just one of those films where like you say it's just total it's just daft nonsense and it's like what's your favorite bit you know there's just so many funny lines so many funny scenes when the four of them break into that song afternoon delight is like one of my <laughs> favorite one of my favorites and there's a video in anchorman itself they they all three of them just just sing it and obviously afternoon delight is a reference to you know some good times he's had with Veronica during the day. In actual fact, that song is actually a cover of a song I've in heard 19- it before, yeah, yeah, yeah. nineteen seventy six Stalin vocal band Afternoon Delight. I think it's been covered by quite a few uh, bands, but there's yeah. an entire music video that is not in Anchorman, but it's been filmed by everyone in Anchorman that I'd recommend people going onto YouTube and watching. We'll try and, I'll try and put it in the notes. Yeah, that was one of my favourites. Like, like you say, I love his conversations he has with the dog. Yeah, it's just him talking to the dog yeah. and the dog barking with, with just really hilarious subtitles. Yeah. I love it when Bon Burgundy completely goes off the rails when he's kind Where's of finds... Yeah, he kind of finds himself like 
locked in this uh, in this phone booth, just having a complete meltdown, which I think is like is a really popular Anchorman gif. Actually, there's just too yeah. many things in well, it. Yeah, so it made apparently on its opening weekend twenty eight point four million and grossed ninety point six million worldwide, which is yeah average amount, but interestingly only 5 million was outside of the US. So uh, I found that really quite interesting that it was definitely a US kind of focused film. Uh, well, it was that... with an Anchorman, wasn't it? That's how they deliver their news over there, isn't it? Really, It's very different to how maybe other countries deliver their news. There were some in-jokes. I mean, you could tell that they made reference to to some people that I hadn't heard of. But I think on the whole, I think it's one of those films that's grown and grown and grown and, and it's kind of got more and more appeal uh, mm. since it came out. Yeah, I didn't realise that this was part. It's supposed to be part of a trilogy. Adam McKay and Will Ferrell's mediocre American Man trilogy. It's mm. supposed to be Anchorman. Second part was Talladega Nights, The Ballad of Ricky Bobby, another one of my favourite films, and then Anchorman Two. But also, normally John C. Riley would always, you know, he he's often played roles alongside Will Ferrell. If you think of Step Brothers as the classic, but John C. Riley is often with this crowd, and the only and he was he was offered the role he was due to play Champ, which you could totally imagine, but he couldn't do it because he was filming The Aviator at the time, and apparently he says he completely regrets the decision, and he was given a cameo role in the uh, in the sequel, and just a bit of completely useless trivia as well to go with this. You talk about your one of your favourite scenes where. Will Ferrell's playing jazz flute. Well, <laughs> he did actually apparently play the flute in school. <laughs> so he did, he did have some history with that instrument. But yeah, I don't know. It's just total stuff and nonsense. But I'm a big Will Ferrell fan. Another factoid for you is yep. that Will Ferrell graduated in college with a degree in journalism. And he used to anchor the local news a few times before breaking into comedy. There so you go. Yeah. I like well, it. He's, he's one of the writers as well. I mean, you know, that's, yeah. he was able to say what, what happens in, in the anchor, Anchorman world. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm sure there are many references to other films, but there were two that stuck out for me. One where you had a very Mary Poppins, is what I would say, sequence when Veronica and Ron are on their first date and they fall in love and suddenly you see them on these... Yeah like unicorns flying in the sky whilst they're yeah. whilst they're singing and then of course the the battle scene with all the rival news teams is straight out of west side story i bet there are there are many others as well but yeah mm. i don't know i mean i was thinking what to give this film mm. same here i mean i i I know that it's apparently number six on Time Out top comedy films. It's Empire's 113th top film out of 500 top films of all time. I think it's a Marmite film, to be honest. Men may prefer this film more than women, maybe. I'm not sure. But it's a Marmite film for me. And it is very different. And I think they, they've kind of executed some of it quite well. And it's completely over the top. And it certainly hits the comedy genre very well. I'm going to give it a six and a half out of ten. Well, okay, that's that's one of the low ones for you. It is one of the low ones, but I was kind of comparing it to what I've seen on the comedy front already and some of the other films. So it's a Marmite film. It is a Marmite film. I kind of walked away and thought, mm, but then I've I have enjoyed some of the scenes. Um, 
there were obviously the flute scene was hilarious um but then there was like it was just complete nonsense <laughs> absolute nonsense but as i said i was open to it i wouldn't i couldn't possibly for me i don't think i could give it higher than six and a half well when we talked about this last week you said to me is it a kind of a guy's film yeah and the only reason i wasn't 100 percent sure is because you know i know women who like this film but it, it does have a, a huge male skew I, th- I think it has to mm-hmm. I and mean, I don't know for sure so I don't know if that's quite anything because I was looking back at what we gave bridesmaids yeah um and I was having a look at that I gave bride I gave bridesmaids eight and a half and you gave it eight and although this mm-hmm. is this is different because it's complete it's complete nonsense and daft and has that very misogynist streak in it. But there's a bit of tenderness in there as well. Yes, I know. That's what I mean. It was, there was more of a kind of a complete story and drama about that film. Which which, you would probably associate that film being more of a girly film. Well, yes. And I think you're probably right. Mm, Um, mm. But equally, I really like, you know, I, I, I like Bridesmaids. I'm going to give it 8.5. I'm actually going to put it up there alongside with Bridesmaids, even though it's wow. a, even though it's a totally different type of comedy. Yeah, but that's purely because I'm a Will Ferrell fan. I love this crowd of actors. Like you say, they all just look like they're having a great time. And, and if you watch that, you know, on YouTube, there's various outtakes of this, and you can see, like you said, there's so much content on the cutting room floor. It's, so purely on that basis, I have to give it eight eight point five. Cool. Right, so on to the next film, which is Toy Story. Look what I've got, Rob. Hey, to infinity and beyond. Yeah, got my own little Buzz Lightyear. I do have a, got to be careful how I say that. I do have a Woody as well. (laughs) Rob, have you got Woody? (laughs) Oh, Woody, I've got to be careful how I say this. Well, you just said it exactly how you should have said it, basically. Should I say it again? I I do have a Woody as well. I do have a Sarah, Woody as well. I have to tell you, I don't have a Woody. I've always, I've always wanted one, but I, I've never, I've never managed to get one. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, I think I had had a Woody toy shortly after the film came out. Actually, I loved, I loved Toy Story, and I think I was at uni or just before I went to uni, I, I watched this film. So, released in 1995, directed by John Lasseter. And he was also part of the story team as well. There's quite a vast number of people that are in the story team, as you would normally probably get in a, an animation. And to be honest, I've been in my mind. I watched Toy Story early in the week, and I've, all I've had in my mind is, "You've got a friend in me." And yeah, that song has been in my head constantly whenever I get up in the morning, when I'm brushing my teeth. <laughs> all sorts of situations that song will just pop up and that was an oscar nominated song for toy story as well and they they did get nominated for others this film though however did receive a special achievement award from the academy for the development and inspired application of techniques used to make the first feature length computer animated film so i think this is one of the first pixar films that we got to see and it's it's really colorful and, and and that's why i really like it it's very simple idea has been bringing to life uh, by animation uh, you know t- children talking to their toys have been talking to their toys for years and i i probably did it at some point as well and sometimes toys become their best friends or comforter but what's different about this obviously is that when the child or human walks away the toys come to life which i think is a real nice sentiment and it's all about really respect and caring for one another the whole 
premise of the film. Really, we follow the journey of Andy's toys, in particular Woody, Tom Hanks and Buzz Lightyear, the voice from Tim Allen. And Buzz Lightyear is the, is the latest new fancy toy which all the kids want and Andy's parents buy this for, for his birthday. Woody gets a little bit jealous that uh, this this new toy is in town and he kind of thinks of how can he get rid of Buzz for a brief second and he thinks, or oh, maybe he can just hide him in one part of the bedroom where all the toys are, are, are placed. And instead what happens is he accidentally hits Buzz Lightyear out of the, the window and, you know, obviously then the, all the toys then look at Woody and say, you did this, and he regret kind of what, what had happened and they had these thoughts that he wanted to get rid of Buzz. Uh, so what happens next is Woody goes and finds Buzz quite quickly, but their journey home after is a, is a bit of an adventure. They get left behind in the petrol station and they make a journey to the Pizza Planet, uh, which looks really cool and I wish we had Pizza Planet here. And then he gets drawn into this this game where you've got these aliens and he's pulled, both toys are pulled out of, by the claw operated by Sid, the naughtiest kid lives next door to Andy. And then they're in trouble. They're at danger because Sid is a kid that likes to pull toys apart and, and create new toys. And he even destroys his own toys as well as his, and his sisters as well. And really with them following how the, the other toys and, and Buzz and Woody can get out of, of Sid's bedroom really and, and reunite with, with Andy and the rest of the toys. So I'm not going to say anymore. Um, I love it. Great animation. It's crisp. It's colourful. Uh, the storyline is creative, sweet, but very simple at the same time. It launched Pixar's brand and animation expertise worldwide. And there, I think there's a character for everyone to like in this film. I'd love to know what you think, Rob, and I'd love to know what your favourite character is as well. Well, it's quite simple. This film is perfect. I mean, it's just... I'm going to. I'm just going to say it straight away. It's a ten out of ten because I, I think oh, wow. that for, for me that's what I thought when I was watching it. I mean, obviously I've seen it before. You know, I probably haven't watched it like obsessively, and I, but I say that you know because I've got children. You know, we we watch Toy Story and maybe watched it once or twice on DVD or whatever it might have been, and you know have subsequently seen um, the other films. I, I just could not fault it. It it was just perfect. And for lots of reasons, first of all, the general theme of it, this is what Pixar is so, so good at, is the way in which they pick these themes of friendship, these human stories with animated characters that have this ability to totally, totally kind of almost seduce you. You're you're totally invested in them. The characters are, are superb. The way in which they pitch Woody and Buzz against each other as these two friends from very different worlds, one who sees the other as a complete threat to his very identity, the way in which all of the other characters and the toys, they don't feel like bit parts. All those other characters, whether it's the pig, whether it's Rex, whether it's Easy. whether it's the dog, whether it's Bo Peep, obviously, you know, comes to play a bit bigger roles in, in subsequent films, whether it's mm-hmm. um, the guy who plays the, the spud toy but they all have such fantastic almost storylines themselves things they're trying you know things that they're trying to deal with especially especially rex i love rex 
Yeah, yeah so. like he wished he could be more scary. And um, mm. I mean, it, it's just such a heartwarming film, that main track you're talking about, You've Got a Friend in Me. You're right. It, it's beautiful. And it comes, it's the very first track you hear at the beginning of the film. And it immediately just sets you up for what this film is all about. Like the premise, so like you say, and again, this is the thing with Pixar, the premise of these films is also so simple. And it's just, yeah, it's just toys that come to life, you know, when, when the kids aren't there. Everyone can relate to those toys. Sometimes I do find animated films made for children that have adult content in them, whether it's a kind of a wise cracking line or something or a snide comment. The Lego movie takes yeah. it to new heights. They, yeah. they, they, they yeah. definitely work because they obviously they draw in both crowds. But for me, this worked not because of like, you know, there were, there were some lines in there for the adults. But for me, it was the toys. Every adult watching that will recognize toys they played with when they were young. That's just why it works so well, whether it's the speak and spell or whether it's, yeah, the, the spud toy, mm. whether it's those little plastic soldiers that used to get in buckets that in this film are just brought to life as this squadron of Marines who go down and, and check any new presents that have arrived in the house in, in case they're going to be toys that threaten the existence of those in the yeah. room. And the, in the ingenuity of how they then use those toys in all of the various different scenes, whether it's coupling all the monkeys to make a chain, whether it's the way in which those, like I just said, those plastic soldiers drag a walkie-talkie yeah. down with them, hiding a plant pot mm-hmm. and are feeding instructions back, like, you know, like sergeants in the field to, to Woody. Buzz as well, when he learns to fly, there's a course that he goes through to show that he can he can fly, but he actually can't, really. Yeah, and I, and I think there's some, there's some really, really kind of poignant moments. That there are those really kind of tender moments you know, Woody to start with when he hmm. when he realizes that Andy is choosing Buzz over him. There's the anger that he goes through, which is just not him that causes the you know, which which sets the whole story in motion. And then equally there are those moments of regret that Woody feels towards Buzz when he realizes he is a good friend. And there's also that scene where Buzz finally <laughs> finally there's a whole theme in this, which is I just think so beautifully done, where Woody's like, You're to, to Buzz, you're not you're a toy. You're not yeah. actually this this like space ranger. And Buzz seems to be in total denial about it until he sees in one of the scenes, he actually sees an advert on TV, which is selling him, which is selling uh-huh. his toy. And that's when he realizes, oh God, he did come in a box. The box wasn't his spaceship. And, and he starts to look at his buttons and he realizes he, the penny drops. He, he is a toy and it's incredibly touching. It's actually yeah. incredibly sad. And, and, it's Pixar's ability to make you feel like that that makes it work so well. The, the animation at its time, as you say, was absolutely groundbreaking. I do think when you watch it now, it's a tiny, a tiny bit dated, but I, I mean, you'd have to forgive it that. And also I think what's very refreshing is there's no fat on this film at all. This, this is an hour and 22 minutes. I mean, yeah. that is phenomenal. Like we often talk about, oh my God, how are we going to, we like films that don't, let's say, run over two hours just because we love watching films, but mm. we've all got a life. But yeah, to see this was 82 minutes long. I mean, like, wow. Yeah, it, I know. It, and it's the shortest one. It's the shortest Pixar film, apparently. Yeah. yeah. But I guess it's one of their, it's their first. 
Yes, exactly right. And I think I am going to go on and watch Toy Story 2. A lot of people say, you know, obviously I've seen these films but a long time ago. People say Toy Story 2 is one of those rare franchises along with, you know, various others where the second is as strong, if not stronger mm. than the first. Mm. And I want to re-familiarise myself with them now. But like Inside Out is another classic example of Pixar nailing it with, with how they they take very human universal subjects and they just they just resonate with everybody children and adults and not in a kind of a clever smart way in a very deep emotional way so yeah perfection perfection for me yeah no great and a couple of factoids for me apparently it cost 30 million us dollars to make and it grossed get this a whopping 404 million worldwide when i give some grossing costs I don't think I've I've ever mentioned one that's as high as that. So, you know, it's a, that's a highly grossing film. And for Sid, he is inspired by a former Pixar employee that used to disassemble toys and use them as, and use the parts to build bizarre creations as well. And Sid's bedroom, the carpet on there, The Shining gave a bit of an influence there because they had the same carpet design as what they had in the hotel and in The Shining. Billy Crystal apparently was offered the Buzz's role uh, but declined and then regretted it. So John Lasseter gave him a call and uh, said, you know, we're doing this film for Monster Monsters Inc. And he just said yes straight away. He didn't even have to say Monsters Inc. He just said yes. He completely regretted not doing this film. And then apparently Chevy Chase was also offered the role of, of Buzz as well. And then he turned it down before Billy Crystal. So good on uh, Tim Allen. And, and and actually, I don't think I've really seen Tim, Tim Allen in much else after this. I mean, obviously, we've seen Tom Hanks in lots of stuff. But I haven't really seen Tim Allen. And maybe he's doing more TV stuff. I don't, I don't know. And then one other factoid is that the animation team, to perfect the movement of the toy soldiers, they nailed their trainers to sheets of wood and then tried to walk in walk with this plank of wood to get that piece right and get that animation style right. So I, I loved it and, and you can find so many factoids in I on IMDB, a bit like Butch Cassidy, you scroll and scroll and scroll. There's loads of facts in there. But it's iconic. I think it's iconic. It's first it's kind from Pixar. It's very crisp and it's a great safe bet film and, and not just for kids. It's a good family film. They've done they've done many spin-offs and many uh, extra you know, in the series of Toy Story movies, and they've all been pretty good as well. I did knock it down a little bit, actually, but talking to you and Rob and, and thinking about it, I'm actually going to give it 10 out of 10 as well. Yes. I think it's one of its kind. Yeah, I know, my second 10 out of 10, and I think your second 10 out of 10 as well. I think it is, I mean, they must have sold so many extra merchandise after this film. I, I've got I've got Woody and I've got Buzz. My boys have got now Woody and Buzz. You didn't tell me who your favourite character was, though. Well, I reckon it. I really liked Ham, played by John Ratzenberger, uh, only because yeah. I just think his lines are, are fantastic. Um, and I also wanted to mention him as well, because some people may know this, but when he took on this role, he put something in his contract to request that he could appear in every Pixar film. And so John Ratzenberger does appear, or his, vo- <laughs> or his voice he has a oh, really? character that he wow. voices in every single Pixar film, which is just wow. a, bit, a bit of use. That's a really. contract and a half, isn't it? He must be raking it in. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, and also, you know, you talked about all the merchandise and like kids have got the toys. How many kids 
who got the toy on the bottom of the shoe of Woody put their own name. And I thought that was again Aww. in the film when you saw the yeah. name on the bottom of the shoe. It's just so sweet. Yeah. And the fact that children, when they get it, kind of want to do the same thing. Oh, I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. Well, anyway, my favourite character... Um... I think I like Rex. I do like Rex and I do like Woody. Um, and I've been compared to Wheezy the Penguin sometimes because I've got asthma. So people do so people do quote and say, you sound like this or, you know, from the Toy Story. So, yeah, brilliant film. Can you imagine if someone might be listening to this who hasn't seen Toy Story? If you haven't, isn't that amazing? You'll be able to watch it for the first time. I yeah. mean, watching this film for the first time, I just think would be a complete treat. Yeah, yeah. So hang on. Brilliant, great. So hang on, because it's worth flagging that this is the first time in 36 films that we have both given one 10 out of 10. Yeah. Lovely. Well, I don't know how we're going to... I mean, this is serious pressure. I don't know how we're going to top two tens. It'd be interesting to see what comes out of a hat next. So we've got uh, four left, haven't we? It's romance, horror, thriller, uh, action and war, yeah? Cool. So... You pick a genre. Uh, action. Action. So, 22 films on the list for action. Ooh. Number 17, please. How about this? Uh-huh. We, we referenced this film last week when talking about Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. It's Thelma and Louise. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, cool. I've seen it, but I haven't seen it for a long time. And it has a very gorgeous Brad Pitt in this film. He looks at his best in this film. Funny how your <laughs> mind drifts. I may watch this tonight when my, when my husband is playing poker. <laughs> this was prime Brad Pitt being introduced to the world territory, wasn't it? Yeah. So Thurman Louise, two best friends set out on an adventure, but it soon turns around to a terrifying escape from being hunted by the police as these two girls escape for the crimes they committed. Directed by Ridley Scott, stars Susan Sarandon, Gina Davis, Harvey Keitel, and of course, Brad Pitt. This is available to rent on Amazon Prime, at least at the time of this recording. And it's also available to buy on Apple, Google Play, YouTube. So maybe slightly trickier to get hold of, but hopefully you can track it down. Very good, sir. Right, go on then, you pick one. It's war. War. Hmm. I have eight wars i go for number five i've no idea why empire of the sun oh you little beauty i love it when you come out with these (laughs) some of these films i mean so 1987 with a young christian bale uh john malkovich and miranda richardson yeah i'm actually quite excited about this one because i used to love this as a kid when i watched it Oh, me too. This had a massive impact on me. Spielberg. Yeah. This is Spielberg, of course, isn't it? Um, so, yeah, a young English boy, Christian Bale, struggles to survive under Japanese occupation during World War II. I mean, this is a epic film from memory. I loved, I loved it. And, and Christian Bale, to be honest, is not much. It's around the same age as what I am, really, in real life. And uh, I think I... Although, obviously, I'm, it's set in World War II era, you kind of empathise and you, you kind of think, what would I have done in that, at his age as well? So, anyway, it's to rent and buy from Amazon, Apple TV, Sky Store, 
uh, Rakuten TV. But do look at if you've got Netflix or Amazon Prime because sometimes these details change. Lovely jubbly. That's really good. I'm looking forward to these two. Oh, no. Two crackers. Mm. And challenge for everybody is to try and find the connection, one film connection, two film connection between Anchorman and Toy Story. Yeah. We have rattled through this one today. Rattled through. It was one of those one of those episodes where it was very easy to talk about both these films. Well, yeah, it was. And they, they were very lighthearted and comedic as well. And yeah, we've got a little bit more serious ones next week. But I'm looking forward to watching these. I haven't seen these for ages. Don't you're looking, you're just, come on, you're just looking forward to Brad Pitt. I mean, let's face it, that's that's what this week is all about. It's Brad Pitt week. Slightly getting a bit a bit warm around here, isn't it? Could be a bit of Brad. <laughs> <laughs> Thoughts of Brad. Anyway. <laughs> right, I'm going to go and see if I can find my Woody and... <laughs> to infinity and beyond. <laughs> oh, there we go. There we go. <laughs> oh, yes, I had to get that one in. I was suddenly thinking you've got a friend in me as you've got a friend in me as well. I don't know, it's all coming out right. Oh. It, on a very adult. I have got, hopefully I've got a friend in you. <laughs> anyway, we've done that. Anywho. Um have a great week and uh, look forward to chatting to you next week, Rob. Look forward to it. See you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.